Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. The Tennessee Power Hour is here to close out what's been a fun week. Uh, and the Tennessee Power it's Hour... already the on, second hour? This thing yeah. is moving fast today. Look it's at the time. Great. Look at the time. Time for the VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price who join us from Knoxville via the magic of Zoom as we broadcast live here from Blackbird Studio, the Blackbird Academy. Studio G from Nashville, Tennessee. Gentlemen, hope you're doing well. Doing great. Absolutely. Brent. Doing fantastic. Yep, doing great. Uh, so yesterday I was chatting with Austin because we're we, there. Volquest Ch Chad's coming into town uh, for the 360 Masters. <laughs> By the way, I love how both these guys <laughs> basically looked at Hutton like, "Let's skip the pleasantries. Let's get right to the jokes about Peter Millar. <laughs> Let's talk golf. I, I Let's talk Christmas up. ornaments up in the background. Like, tired of Hutton saying, "How are you guys? We're fine. Let's no, we're, go. We're fine. We just chatted during the break. <laughs> we're, we're gonna good. we're gonna sit here in silence while <laughs> Hutton asks us. We're doing okay. Brent, Brent Hubs like is a nervous. A couple of jerks because uh, Austin uh, <laughs> hinted at this during the. He's like, Hut, you've, you've got to ask Brent what you told me you were going to ask him to lead the hour. And I was joking yesterday with Austin, but I'll, I'll do it. Hubs, whatever happened to Ace Clement? Whatever happened to Ace Clement? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why there's a joke in that. Um, she is uh, raising some kids, and her husband worked for SCA the last I heard. So well, there, there's no I, inside I I... joke. We, we, we were just chatting about some other stories. He just on comes out of left field yesterday and says, where is she at? And I said, I don't know. He goes, maybe I should leave the segment and ask Cubs that. And I said, do it. Just come out of left field. With I remember some uh, random person that's not been talking about in 20 years. When I was in school in Knoxville, uh, we had uh, like pickup games we'd play at Knox Webb. And I remember yeah. I went a couple times and played against Ace Clement. And uh, every college-age guy there was dying to guard Ace Clement in the game. <laughs> like everyone was like, I, I got Ace. I got Ace. All right, we're going to go. We're going to belly up. Down here in the blocks on Ace Clement. Uh, that was always the goal when Ace Clement was on the court. Now, what sparked it, it was yeah. very random. We were talking about someone else uh, with the same last name. And I, I said, whatever happened to Ace? <laughs> and uh, he goes, and I said, maybe I'll ask Hubs that tomorrow right out of the gate just to get things going. Yeah, on the can't you see Withrow going, let's play shirts and skins, guys. Let's play shirts and skins. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell who's on my team, guys. I'm throwing it to the wrong person over and over. we got to do this for the good of the game. Oh, that is terrific. Guys, let, let's get to some of the headlines uh, that's going on in Knoxville as we, we uh, get to some of the, the articles at VolQuest.com. Great week of coverage there. Also, I'm just going to start with recruiting. Where are we on recruiting uh, this time of year for Hypo? How important are, are we about to uh, see things uh, gear up for he, he and his staff right now? Calm before the storm, guys. You know, it's really quiet because anybody that's made it to this point is, you know, kind of in that wait-and-see approach um, to going to camp, going to see coaches, you know, kind of getting to be out and about for the first time in 15 months. So, you know, it, it's really just kind of really quiet right now, eerily quiet, because you know next Tuesday, Brent, it's going to be a madhouse all over the country with kids all over campuses across the country. And uh, it only, you know, will, you know, crescendo at the end of the month uh, when, when it goes back dead again before a five or four or five day open window in the month at the end of July. But the month of June is going to be fast. It's going to be busy. And man, it is going to be a thrill a minute. You can expect a lot of commitments all over college football, not, not taking it away from Tennessee, just overall scope. This thing is going to be uh, a whirlwind. Yeah, there's two layers to the month, in my opinion. One, there's the there's the camp layer for the 
class of 23, class of 24 guys. Then you've got some 22s that are going to take unofficial visits. But then the number of official visitors in the month of June around the country is going to be really just stunning in terms of, I mean, this is a change. We've seen official visits come about in spring. It was going to increase some last year from the previous year, but obviously couldn't because of COVID. Now it's just, it's jumping through the roof. I mean, Tennessee's going to have somewhere between probably 18 and 24 official visitors in the month of June. Ohio State is talking like they may have as many as 50 official visitors in the month of June out of a year where you can, you know, unless there's some COVID relief I'm unaware of, you're only allowed 56. So, I mean, talking about trying to get your whole class done in 30 days, that's what Ohio State's doing. And you're going to see a lot of kids around the country not at home for the entire month of June. They're going to be at camps. They're going to be on unofficials. They're going to be on officials. It's going to be wild. Well, I think a lot of these these players are going to try to reserve spots. You've seen that some in years past, but I think this year especially, you know, because there is going to be such a run on commitments and pledges over the month of June, guys, I, I think that you're going to see a ton of kids, you know, even if they're not done done, they're going to say, all right, I really like school X. I'm going to go ahead and commit there and hold my place. And then if somebody else wows me, then I'll take a look then. But otherwise, I'm, I'm locked in with, with, with School X. So I, I think that's you're going to see a bunch of placeholders uh, come the next uh, 30, 35 days. So we're going to bounce a lot around a lot today uh, across multiple sports uh, with Tennessee Athletics. And uh, I, I want to ask this because the game just went final. And uh, this is Chad Withrow asking this question, noted college baseball hater. But Tennessee just run-ruled Alabama 11 to nothing after having the game completely stolen from them by an awful call to open the SEC tournament. There's a lot to be said about attitude and culture, especially from a head coach. Tony Vitello, after that game, said, we can uh, choose to go about this one of two ways. We can sit around and be sad, or we can use this to fuel us throughout this tournament. They come back and run-rule Mississippi State, a top-five team, and then run rule Alabama in the revenge matchup the very next day after having the game stolen from them. Guys, I don't know about you, but it is refreshing, regardless of the sport, to see a Tennessee program going about their business with some legitimate swagger and how they carry themselves and how they exact vengeance. What do you guys think of the last two days and really the last three days for Tennessee baseball with that game, the first game against Alabama? Well, I, I think this is vintage Tony Vitello. This is what he's about. Uh, he's a guy who's had an edge about him from day one at, at Tennessee. Uh, he's a guy who believes in himself, believed he was ready for a head job even before he got the head job at Tennessee. And he's established a culture that they're just not going to take any crap off anybody. And, and that's the bottom line. And I love the way he handled the Alabama thing. He did not go in the media, and he did not just go bananas on an official. He didn't get thrown out of that game. Uh, I thought he pushed all the right buttons. It's obviously paid off for him. If you look at this team, the way they have bounced back after a loss this year, they've been really impressive. When they lose a game, they come right back the next day ready to play. Um, So, you know, I, I think that he has done a magnificent job, and it is refreshing to see. It is refreshing to see a team, um, that, yeah, they, they got hosed in a call, and instead of going out and talking about how much they got hosed, they just, they've gone out and beaten the absolute dog crap out of the last two teams that they played. And um, I, I think that tells you a lot about what Tony Vitello has created within the locker room of his program. 
Yeah, I mean, they had Chad Dallas yesterday, Blake Tidwell today. So they had their Friday and Sunday starters the last two days. Alabama was working the bullpen today. But it doesn't matter. I mean, Tennessee just teed off on, on the pitching. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was, it was, it was a bludgeoning from the jump. And, uh, you know, they, they pounded the ball. I mean, that, you know, shot by Evan Russell was, I mean, it burned up in reentry. Uh, it went so high and, and came down so far out there uh, beyond the fence. And then, you know, tomorrow they'll play Florida. That one will be interesting because Tennessee now will go to the bullpen or go to your non-traditional Friday through Sunday starters to try to find a way to get a win and get to the championship game uh, on on on, on uh, Sunday, whether it be against Arkansas or Vanderbilt or Ole Miss. I think the biggest thing for Tennessee, and obviously at this point you want to go try to win the championship, Chad. I mean, because you don't you don't play just for the sake of hey, we got to go out there and play around a little bit. I mean, you're trying to win the thing. But the biggest thing for Tennessee when you talk about postseason play with the regional and potential super regional out there, they got three quality outings from their three regular weekend starters to keep them on a regular schedule. Tidwell continues to throw it better and better. Dallas has been consistent all year long. And, and it obviously, um, you know, that they've been good. I mean, Heflin was good enough to win that first game. So I think that if you're Tony Vitello, regardless of what happens tomorrow, you'd like what you have gotten done through the last three games, even though you lost that first one. You got your starting pitching, and you kept them kind of in the rhythm they've been in the last couple of weeks. So if you're not currently subscribing to VolQuest.com and you're a Tennessee fan, you're doing it wrong. Why? Because of the note that we are going to unveil when we come back about which Tennessee quarterback is carrying themselves like the starter around the ah. locker room during summer workouts. We're going to get to that when we come back. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. The VolQuest Power Hour rolls on and... We can let them know, even in Knoxville, about Renner's Warehouse. rwnashville.com. How to put some money in your pocket right now. They like money in Knoxville, too. Yes. Just like they like money in Nashville. You can go to rwnashville.com right now and find out if you qualify for the upfront rent program with Renter's Warehouse. rwnashville.com, the website. Phone number is 615-398-9550 by giving you your money up front. Renter's Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. This is up to a full year of rent paid up front. So if you have a problem finding renters for your rental property, you need to go to the website, rwnashville.com, phone number 615-398-9550. Do it the Renter's Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. Austin Price gives us his thoughts on the Vols quarterbacks presented by Peter Millar next on OutKick 360. <laughs> Outkick 360 and the VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed, Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us. Lance Lee back with us next week, as is PK. Um, 360 Masters. VolQuest has a bay. There is one bay left for the 360 Masters coming up on Thursday, June 10th. And we have the Seymour putter in front of us that will go to our 360 Masters champion. There uh, is the $300 value putter. Uh, they do great work right here in Franklin, Tennessee, but uh, you can see them on tour. Austin is very familiar with the quality of Seymour yep. and uh, the quality of that green jacket over uh, your shoulder. Uh, Austin gave uh, like a full history tutorial on 
uh, PGA players that have used the Seymour putter. I, Hunt was like, have you heard of this? By the way, this is a great shot of my feet also in the, in the shot when you see it on the screen, <laughs> uh, which is terrific. But uh, the shoes are great, as always. Austin, I must ask you before we get back to Tennessee talk, are you a golf course snob? Uh, for instance, oh. I, w- I worked at Pine Creek in Glayville, Tennessee <laughs> when I was in high school and I was a cart attendant. I- is that a course that you would uh, put your nose up at and not want to play because it's not quality enough for you? No. Now, I'm not a golf course snob. I will play anywhere. But once you have kids, Chad, my trips to the golf course become fewer and fewer. So if I'm using the old hall pass to get out of the house, I do prefer <laughs> to go somewhere um, that I've never been or, uh, you know, you know, uh, I won't say an upper echelon course, but someplace that, you know, that kind of, you know, gets me going, gets the juices going a little bit. So, um, I, I'm not I'm not too good to play anywhere. I love to play all courses, but again, my time with, with with two young girls are you know is more valuable now as far as being able to get out and play. So thus, when I go out and play, I like to go to the best I can play. <laughs> Calling in favors. That's uh, that's completely understandable. So at VolQuest.com, Generals Quarters uh, today. Reading through there, and you guys had some notes on a quarterback that is at least carrying himself like he's the starter uh, at Tennessee. What can you guys, Brent, we'll start with you on this one. What can you tell us about Harrison Bailey and, and the way he's carrying himself around that Tennessee locker room and complex? Well, I mean, there, you know, obviously there's been a lot of buzz about Joe Milton coming to Tennessee and a lot of a lot of talk about how strong his arm is and how athletic he is, how big he is, and all these things. He's the new guy in town, so he's generated a lot of buzz. But... I think Harrison Bailey, with the way he finished spring practice, the confidence he has in himself, um, and where he thinks he is with this offense, I think he feels like that. You know, he's in prime position to be the the starting quarterback at Tennessee. He's not trying to, you know, come in and and you know do anything other than lead, which all, what all the quarterbacks are doing. But you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, where's he at? Is he going to look at the portal and all this? And the answer is, in my opinion, Austin, is no. He believes he's going to be the starting quarterback. He believes he's got uh, the, the best shot of anybody to win the starting quarterback job at Tennessee, which he should. I mean, you want your quarterback to believe that way. All that being said, it is going to be a competition in August, uh, but I don't think Harrison Bailey's getting caught up in, in any uh, any fame or, or any um, hype surrounding Joe Milton or anybody else in that quarterback room. I think Harrison Bailey feels like, of the guys he's practiced against, he's the man to be. Now, he's not practiced against Joe Milton. He's seen Joe Milton throw it around the complex a little bit, but that's different. You know, just throwing routes on air is different than, you know, live bullets flying. So, you know, uh, I think when he, when he, when I, you know, when we said that he's carrying himself, he's carrying himself with the notion that he's not seen Joe Milton or Caden Salter for that matter on the practice field with the bullets flying and, and, and all that, you know, but based off of the spring, I think he feels like the guys he went against Hendon Hooker and Brian Maurer. He feels like, you know, it's going to be his job. And unless one of these other guys that hasn't been here can take it from him. All right, real quick. Hutton's got the next question, but this is a little bit of lesson time uh, right now. And uh, this is for both of our interns that are in here. And I say this with peace and love. I need the ISO camera on me. If you would read just for a second, um, the tweet from oh. Outkick 360 that reads, which UTK quarterback <laughs> is carrying himself? <laughs> Never, ever again refer to the University of Tennessee 
as UTK. Especially for the Vols audience. Hutton is nodding in agreement yeah. with me. This is not me mad at you guys because we got an intern from Utah and an intern from Richmond. It is the University of Tennessee. Uh, if you want to call UT Martin UTM, you can do that. If you want to call UT Chattanooga UTC, you may. But the flagship institution in the state of Tennessee will be hashtag Vols or just simply Tennessee. Even UT, I don't love. That's what Paul likes to call it. Right. Which he always says UT when describing Tennessee. That can be confusing to some in the Southwest because of the University of Texas. But I guarantee you, in Texas, they're not saying UTA <laughs> to refer to the University of Texas in Austin. So please, Vols or Tennessee, thank you. Again, I say this with peace and love to both of you. But that was just an, a little on-air lesson uh, for our new interns. And I, I apologize to the Tennessee fan base out there. It will never happen again. And they're both nodding their head in agreement. Austin wants them fired. It won't, it won't happen Austin again. Austin wants them fired immediately. Austin, yes. your thoughts? Well, yeah, I need the ISO camera on me. Um, you know, I, I, I'll say this: um, they don't know what they don't know, and right. you know, it, it, again, not their fault. Um, I personally would not have called them out on the air, especially addressing them by name, um, because their parents could be watching in Utah or wherever else. But hey, but hey, you know, we all handle things differently. Chad wants to, you know, take shots out there and call these poor kids out. You know, they're probably scarred for life, and you'll feel bad, I can tell the look you'll in their feel, face. You'll feel, feel bad if, if, you know, one of them goes in the tank over this, and they end up down on Broadway, you know, you know, leaned up against a brick wall later, you this know, is, drinking. So, this, is Austin Price, this is Austin Price contributing to the softness of America uh, by, <laughs> by not enjoying me, calling them out, and holding them accountable. And I can tell by the look in their eye right now, and I'm looking at both of them, uh, they've been coached hard before. They're, they're both uh, athletes. They've played sports. They, they know what it's like to get called out. And I'll also say it's a completely honest mistake. If I was doing a show or working for a show in Salt Lake City, Utah, I would make the same mistake. So completely honest mistake. I understand it. But I just wanted to use that as a teaching moment uh, here on the show. And, and now we can move forward with Hutton's actual Tennessee well, Vols. I, I want to keep it going just briefly. Hubs, as someone who has worked with Mike Keith, uh, I'm speaking on, on behalf of this as well, Mike would have called us out. Uh, on air for that as well, won't you? <laughs> wouldn't you agree? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he would have called us out. We might have had to make a lap around the uh, around the building <laughs> a couple of times. Uh, he would have declared it time for a wiffle ball game, and it would have been a bean ball bash at you. Uh, so yes, um, and you'd probably had to go buy him lunch at the same time too. So yes, it was. There would have been a tough lesson learned there. It would, it would not have been trophy day. Everybody wasn't going home with a trophy at the end of the work day. That's for sure. Sure. My, my comments made in jest. I'll never forget when I was a young kid coming out of college and started working for Mark Packer in Knoxville. I corrected him on the air. And he Whoa. got so mad because I corrected him on the air. And he said, never do that again. <laughs> Several years later, on Rivalry Thursday, Hutton, and with folks that you both know him, he corrected me on the air. And at that point, I pointed out the lesson he tried to teach and the hypocrisy that he lives years later <laughs> on the air. Did you tell him never correct me again, Austin? Oh, yeah. I went through the whole thing. I said, you told me never to correct you, and yet here you are being a hypocrite correcting me. So practice what you preach, Packer. Practice what you preach. Guys, which Tennessee transfer out of the University of Tennessee are you placing – 
this faux money on to have an outstanding season elsewhere? Who are we going to be talking about? Who are the fans going to be talking about that they wish would have never left? I'm going to go, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think Eric Gray, because the Big 12 plays no defense, will have a really big year. Um, I'll, still say, I'll still say Keyshawn Lawrence, though, as well. Mm. I, I think both of them, one-two punch, uh, one offense, one defense. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, you might see Gray more because he's going to catch, you know, touchdowns out of the backfield. He's going to run for, you know, scores and, and put up points and yards for Oklahoma. But as far as impact on a, on a bad league defensively, I think Keyshawn Lawrence will hit, you know, see the field, and I think Keyshawn Lawrence is a future day one, day two draft pick. Yeah, I think Tennessee fans are going to be mad, more mad about Keyshawn Lawrence than, than anybody because they've got concerns in the secondary, and they're going to see him have success and go, wow, what would he have been back in this secondary? No offense to Eric Gray, who I think is a really good player. I think Tennessee's got some guys who are capable in the offensive backfield of being highly productive themselves. So I don't think that's that that's going to create the same angst from the Tennessee fans as Keyshawn Lawrence is going to create. Speaking of being highly productive, uh, Tennessee Athletics has been highly productive for the law firm of Bond, Schoenek, and King out of the state of Kansas uh, with how much they've billed the University of Tennessee. Very productive in this uh, NCAA and, and self-imposed investigation. Uh, I guess my question, guys, is, we know the investigation's not over. Do you get the sense that they've rounded third on this investigation? And what's the likelihood that all of this could be wrapped up before football season starts? Well, I think that's the dream for Tennessee is for it to be wrapped up. I think that, unfortunately, is probably a little bit of uh, maybe wishful thinking. Uh, you got a couple things that have happened here. I mean, Tennessee... Has, has had conversations with the NCAA and they're saying, hey, let's get this done. You know, we're going to self-impose or whatever. Let, let's, let's, get to, let's get to the finish line with this. You've also had the chancellor at Tennessee, Dondi Plowman, who said back in the spring she did not anticipate a final resolution before the start of football season. So um, I think it's hard to sit here and look at we're approaching June 1st. It's not like the NCAA is going to work this weekend. It's a holiday weekend. Uh, so now you're sitting here talking about you know, less than a hundred days uh, before you kick off you know, the football season. Hard for me to see Tennessee get a final resolution to this over the course of a hundred days. Now, could they self-impose and, and be waiting on a, a, a judgment back from the NCAA that says, "Hey, we're good with all of that"? Maybe, but to have it completely wrapped up, I, I don't see that before September. To, to answer your question, Withrow, yes, they've rounded third. They're just caught in a, in a rundown, and it's back and forth. And back and forth, they'll drag this thing out. They're in a pickle. They're in a pickle. How, how much has this played a factor with Hypel and recruiting? Or is it too early to tell, Austin? Oh, I think it's played a factor. I think the fact that, that they can't say for, you know, for certain that, okay, guys, we're going to lose – seven scholarships and we got a one-year bowl ban or we're going to lose 11 scholarships and we got a two-year bowl ban. They can't say anything. And so all these schools, you know, and I've talked to several of them, oh, it's going to be bad. Have you not heard it's going to be bad? It's really going to be bad. Three, four, five years. And I'm like, what? 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 Five years. <laughs> like, listen to yourselves. Like, I mean, like, I, I mean, I could see a two-year bowl ban, Brent. Um, I can't see anything more than that. Um, you know, I, I think in a perfect world for Tennessee, they get away with a one-year bowl ban and loss of X number of scholarships. Because as you found out, Brent, it comes off the 85, not the 25, which is a big deal because Tennessee's so far under the 85 anyway. Yeah, and, and I think Tennessee would be very comfortable with a one-year bowl ban and, 
you know, a, a decent number of loss of scholarships under that 85 and, and would go to the house if they could do that. I'd be surprised if it's a two-year bowl ban. Here's where if, if I was Tennessee from a PR standpoint, and you can't at this point, but I think, and typically you don't do this, but I think because this is drug out so long, the moment you can say we're done investigating if you're Tennessee, I think you need to come out and say that. Because I think what some people are continuing to use against you too is not just some wild number about a three-year bowl ban or this, that, or the other. They're also going, everybody going, hey, they're not even done looking into it. This thing's massive. They've been investigating and interviewing people since November, and it's June, and they can't get all of that done yet. So I think the moment you can say, hey, we are done with investigation and we are you know, making our recommendation to the NCAA, I think you go ahead and get that publicly announced out there to get for the fans and for recruiting and everything else to say, hey, we're done looking into stuff. There's nothing more you know, out there to be found. So I think Tennessee probably needs to do that, which is not normal in most investigations. Tennessee fans will know the name Hayden uh, when it comes to running backs. And uh, Aaron Hayden, former Vol, his son, Dallin Hayden, may be nearing a decision on where he'll play his college football. Austin, what is the latest with Dallin Hayden in Tennessee? Well, he'll start his official visits next weekend with a trip to Notre Dame, followed by a trip to Illinois to see where his uh, older brother Chase plays. The third weekend of official visits, he'll be at Ohio State. Ohio State has been the presumed leader uh, for months now. Does he commit in the month of June is my question. You know, if he if Tennessee survives the month of June, I think their chances to land Dallin Hayden go way up. Um, I, I expect him to visit unofficially at some point in the month of June. Um, the last thing, you know, I heard was potentially, um, you know, that latter part of June after the Ohio State visit. So we'll see. Um, I do expect him to be here unofficially at some point. And if he doesn't commit to Ohio State, um, which I think would be the the right you know kind of you know guess as far as where you think he may end up going, um, you know I, I think that he probably will officially visit Tennessee somewhere this fall. Auburn also trying to get in the mix as well. That's kind of where I think it's at. Can he can Tennessee survive the month of June after that Ohio State official visit coming up on that third week? Brent, with with Fulmer, I feel like every other month, maybe every month every other week we had an update on where we were with Neyland Stadium upgrades where are we on that with the new regime and and how much talk is there behind the scenes as you chat with sources well the first thing is money I mean everybody's talking about how you're going to raise the money how you're going to go about getting the the amount of dollars that you're going to need and and, and then you don't have a design either I mean Mm -hmm. let's face it Mike Hamilton had a design Dave Hart had a design. John Curry had a design. Philip Holmer had a design. And now Danny White's, you know, going to have a design. Um, much like ADs talk about, you know, making a name for yourself with your hires, also what your facilities look like is, is kind of leaving your legacy as well. So I think Danny White and his team will come back with a new design and some things that they want to do. Um, so I, I think we're a ways down the road from, from moving forward there. They may do some stuff sooner rather than later with some you know, minor enhancements. There's some talk about potentially doing some chairback seats um, in the general stands uh, on the west side. Uh, they're going to have to do some, spend some real money. Um, I mean, 
you know, several, several millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars on some stuff fans aren't even going to see in terms of fixing some structure things or working on some structure things in the south end zone. So I think you could do some of that stuff before you ever put your design, you know, final, put your final design in place as well. So um, I think right now the focus is on trying to raise as much money as you can and then figure out how you're going to pay for things. Um, you know, one of the things that you look around, Kentucky did this, and I don't know where Tennessee's at, but look, they're not changing the name. They're not going to do naming rights for Neyland Stadium or anything like that. But uh, Kentucky at their stadium, their club area, their suite areas is got corporate sponsorship on it. Um, and, and that's something that a lot of schools are doing that, that you might see that possibility. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to do that, but I think Danny White's team's looking at all the possible, possible ways to raise as much money as you can without it being individual donors offering up money, um, you know, to, to, you know, to pay for things that way. Why, why can't White just carry over the previous design? Like, I, I get the fundraising aspect of it, and that was going to be a hurdle regardless. Uh, but, but what is it about what they're waiting on in that regard? Well, I think, I mean, and he may do some of the things in design, but all those designs have a little different flair to them, you know, in, in terms of what you're going to, you know, are you gonna, where are you going to put your suites? What are your suites going to look like? Are you going to do another video board? Um, are you going to do open air? Are you going to do closed air? Um, you know, what, are you going to do, you know, clubs, this, that, and the other? I mean, there's just a million, there's just a million different options there that, that you can do. And part of that also, when you make those decisions, affects your capacity. So where is your capacity at? You know, how, how much do you want to reduce your capacity by? How much, how, how, how big of a deal is that for somebody, you know? You got to keep it above X number, you know. And for years, it was about a hundred thousand at Tennessee. Are you going to go under a hundred? Uh, are you going to go under ninety-five? What are you going to do that way? So there's just a lot of variables there that everybody wants to put their own, you know, thumbprint on and their own design with it that way, which is, you know, not out of the norm. That's why you've got five different designs by five different ads in the last twenty years. Guys, I know we've joked about a little bit with, with Danny White about uh, him not wanting to have any leaks on anything and how he was frustrated and said so at the press conference that Josh Heupel was leaked and that someone found out about it. Um, have you found that it's harder to get information out of Danny White's athletic department? I'm going to give you a specific instance. And I know you guys have written about it. A lot of people have covered it. The need for improvements to the baseball facility in order to keep Tony Vitello. And to keep him happy, and LSU, I know, has now got a coaching opening. A lot of people rumoring they're going to go hard after Tony Vitello. There's a lot of people encouraging Tennessee and writing about what they need to do with baseball, but I'm not hearing anything in terms of news out of what Danny White wants to do. Is that an example of this regime being a little bit more tight-lipped? Well, I think, you know, yes. I, I, I think that's there's some of that there. But at, at the same time, too, I think Tony Vitello and Danny White have had some conversations, and I think they both have kind of agreed over the course of the last six weeks or so to table all of that until the season's over. This team is on a run. Nobody wants that to be a distraction, and I think the thought process is, hey, let's wait and see and go from there. We've noted this, that Danny White's had conversation with some donors, some significant donors in the past month about baseball, and about facilities there. We know Tony Vitello over the course of the last couple of years 
has had conversations with some of those same donors. So I think there's some conversation going on there, and, and there's been dialogue back and forth. But I don't know that they have sat down and, and said, this is what I want, that's what I want. Now, the question is, how quickly does that get sped up if LSU comes calling really fast here? Uh, how quickly does LSU want to go? Are they going to make a hire before LSU's regional season is done? Are they going to try to have somebody ready to go the, the moment that, that their season is over? Um, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. I, can, I believe that Tony Vitello will be at the top or near the top of LSU's wish list, and I think he's on a Texas A&M's wish list. He's on everybody's wish list that comes open because, A, he's winning, and, B, everybody looks at the Tennessee facilities and says, you know what, he's gettable because he's, you know, he, he's going to be a, a bigger deal than what Tennessee's facilities are right now. So maybe those conversations get sped up a little bit, but uh, th they've talked some. Um, I, I just don't think that Danny White's real interested in kind of airing out publicly where those conversations are right now, and neither is Tony Vitello for that matter. Guys, where, where are we on season ticket sales for Tennessee football um, just compared to 2019? And and is it about what you may expect, Austin? Well, I, I think, you know, I think they're – correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they a little ahead of the pace that they were at 2019? Um, and, and mostly because they had so many rollovers from last year because of COVID. People just deferred to the 2021 season. Um you know, you know, they're not near 70, um, and they haven't been there. They were there under Butch Jones for a couple of years. They've kind of been hovering in the high 50s to mid 60s, you know, for about the last, you know, you know, most for most of the last decade. Um, so, you know, about what I thought they would be. Honestly, I, I think there's a lot of, I don't want to, I don't see apathy is the right word. I think it's more just like, okay, we've been down this road where we dove in on a coach and we were so behind him and then it didn't work out. So we're going to take a wait-and-see approach. And I think that's kind of where this fan base is on the whole. Um, you know, it's not that they don't want to believe in Josh Heupel. It's just they don't want to get their hopes up uh, and then and then be let down uh, like they have been for the last, you know, 15 years. So, you know, I think most of the fan base is taking a wait-and-see approach. But I think numbers-wise – they're about where they were, or right on pace with where they were uh, two years ago, right, Brent? Yeah, they're not way off there. I, I, I've got to see if I can find those numbers. I, I actually have them on my computer somewhere, and I'll look for them here before we, we finish the hour up. But they're not way off. Um, I, I think the one thing that's interesting that, that's a little bit different than um, the last few years with this is, you know, you've got a lot of that. Some of that is deferred from a year ago, people who just paid their money. Um, and, and didn't, you know, didn't get tickets or deferred or, you know, declined their tickets. So they're going to get their tickets this year and they don't have to pay any money for that. Um, that that's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to be okay with their numbers. Not, you know, there's not everybody lining up for, to, to buy Josh Heupel tickets right out of the gate. But I, but I don't think they're going to be, oh, wow, they're way down from where they've been the last few years. I think they'll be about on pace for where they've been. Guys, what do you have planned for Memorial Day weekend? What's coming up? Well, I'm, I'm going, going on vacation. I'm going to slip away. I'm going to I'm going to try to get out of town and uh, get on the water. I'm hoping for better weather. Um, yep. It's talking about highs in the 60s here this weekend, which for me, as Austin knows, means those sliding mittens like the players <laughs> are wearing at first base, uh, a toboggan, <laughs> a hoodie, and 
Um, I, I might have base layer on uh, riding around on a boat this weekend. So uh, hopefully we're going to get some warmer weather moving forward. I just got uh, family coming in town and, and enjoying that and kind of just, you know, resting up before the month of June, which is, again, going to be a thrill a minute. So, you know, uh, n nothing specific, just a bunch of family coming in town from all angles. And, uh, you know, exciting times. I've got my birthday. My, 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 my daughter's birthday will be Sunday. So she's got to decide where she wants to go out to eat. Um, <laughs> the last thing I was told was is my daughter I has chosen Salsaritas. Hubs oh. would know that's not a place that Austin will eat. But, hey. Anything for her, I will gladly go and sit there while she eats salsaritas. Michael will carry in. He'll carry in a bag of chicken nuggets from somewhere. Is what's going to happen <laughs> on that deal? My goal is to put together a patio, Brent, uh, an outdoor patio, or as Austin would call in his neck of the woods, an outdoor living space, a veranda. Oh, a veranda, a pergolo <laughs> with an outdoor kitchen. Yeah. And, and, a, and a nice soothing fire pit. Very nice. That's good. Austin, good luck uh, with that. I wish you the best. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Thanks, uh, boys. Austin, real quick, uh, let us know the golf course that you're representing today on your shirt. Atlanta Athletic Club. <laughs> I knew I recognized hey, that logo. Hey, hey, how, hey how guys. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell the story. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him some actual news, Austin, before I talk about your snobbish golf course life, because you <laughs> won't play on a golf course that's not 100% green. You won't play in the spring, early spring, and you don't play in the fall when things start to turn uh, a little bit brown. On the season ticket front, Tennessee is at a renewal rate of 84% uh, compared to two years ago. 38% of that 84% uh, were rollover payments from a year ago. So, uh, that's kind of a, I don't have hard numbers, but that's kind of yeah. where the renewal rate is at this point in time. Guys, thank you as always. And as always, we're going to be reading all of your work at VolQuest.com. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Lo love having Austin and Brent on weekly, every Friday in the final hour. And what is every day? The Tennessee Power Hour on Fridays is the VolQuest Power Hour. Every day we do a 360 parlay. It's my turn now. I have uh, a different type of parlay than we've ever done on this show. We're going we're gonna to go big. You know what? We're going to uh, win. We're going to go big this weekend. We're going we're to win. We're going to win. Uh, also, we're going to pose the question, did the Nashville Predators actually block another NHL team on Twitter? Or is this a stunt? I'll have details when we come back. Outkick 360 rolls on here across the Outkick Network. Outkick 360 wrapping up a fun week. It was not a fun night for Predators fans in Nashville. We've got that in just a moment. But first, uh, not a fun week for us with our 360 parlay. We need a winner, Chad, and it is back on you. It is right where we started the week. Back on Chad to get us a victory with the 360 parlay through FanDuel. Well, here's how the week went. I won big on Sunday with Phil Mickelson, as we talked about. Massive win. I then came back and I carried that victory to Monday, where we won our parlay Monday as a group, as a 360 parlay. I then lost on Tuesday, <laughs> then went to Hutton, who lost on Wednesday, Paul, who lost on Thursday. I'm going to get us back on the winning track with a very different parlay today. And we're going to show it to you on the screen right now. We are going with a five-leg <laughs> parlay, ladies and gentlemen. $5 to pay over $35. I've never done this before, but I've always wanted to experiment with 
not taking the point spread, but just taking the favorites. Okay. And seeing if you can combine enough favorites that just win outright to win you a good amount of money and give you some good odds. So we are going with the Atlanta Hawks, who I believe are a six-point home favorite over the New York Knicks to win outright in Atlanta tonight. All these games, by the way, tonight. We're not going to have to wait around till Sunday morning for some damn English Premier League game to kick off <laughs> like Paul made us sit around. I'm watching Chelsea for the first time. Or the Knicks. Get that ass beat, which also <laughs> loses for us on a Sunday morning. And then I'm also lost in, watching the Knicks get beat, which didn't matter at that point. For the parlay. All these games are tonight, so then we can cycle through and play more over the weekend. We're going with the Vegas Golden Knights, a slight home favorite to win at home. We're going to go with the Red Sox at home. They've got a favorable pitching matchup. Pretty big favorite for a baseball game to win outright. we got Garrett Cole going for the Yankees like against one of the worst teams in baseball and the Tigers. Big-time favorite there. The Braves didn't come through for us earlier this week. Did not look great against the Mets earlier this season. They've got their best pitcher currently in Ian Anderson on the bump tonight. Give me the Braves, the money line. Five-leg parlay. To pay off over $35. That's our 360 parlay. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can get more information and sign up for some great offers, including uh, the NBA, where you can bet a dollar or $10 uh, based on the promo. And at FanDuel.com slash OK360, you can get $100 automatically just by betting the NBA. Um, it's real simple and I'll give you the exact games here. It's the Clippers and the Mavs. Oh, there it is on the screen. Clippers and the Mavs for $10. Or for a dollar, you bet a dollar on the Heat or the Bucks. You're going to get an automatic $100 in site credit the next day, win or lose. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Uh, we had the Preds last night. That did not go well. They were up 3-1. I felt great about it. Uh, they up 3-1. Midway through the second. Got the five-on-three goal to make it three-to-one. Yeah. yeah. And what what a fun night at the Stone. Uh, but in the overtime, when the overtime uh, puck went through the uh, behind Soros, there was this stunned silence. And, and that's what, the third consecutive year where we've seen this end abruptly like that for the Preds. But, Chad, or at home, I mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm discussing – this with some friends after the game, uh, you looked around and you thought, oh, yeah, that's that's it, right? And just like we had seen in the previous matchups, even the overtime wins, I felt like the Preds played a good style of hockey, right? A, a style that should beat Carolina, and they didn't because the Hurricanes just steady. I, I referred, and I was, I was sitting with a, um, a football coach, and we were chatting about uh, the, the, the comparing the sports, and I said, you know, Carolina is a lot like a team that could run the football really well because they're all about puck possession. And they get plenty of opportunities because they possess the football. And they they're possess so the fast. Puck. Oh, the, the speed was a huge factor last night, too. Uh, but as the Preds got up 3-1, Carolina just steady. And then uh, there were some, some goals that just should not have happened. And it was almost slow motion as they came back and won that game. I think the Preds did a good job against a team that's better than them. First yeah. off, great series, four straight overtime games, second time ever in playoff history we've seen that. Mm -hmm. It was an Arizona-Chicago series was the other one that, that accomplished that feat. So they competed very well. They were right there with this team in pretty much every game. They had their chances. Carolina capitalizes. But I do think that 
the four overtime games really sums up the difference between these two teams. In the two double overtime games the Preds won, it took them deep into the second period to score a goal, to scratch out a goal. And when Carolina needed it most Mm. in game five and then again in game six, they have the ability to flip the switch and put it into a gear the Preds can't match. And you can call it puck luck. You can call it whatever you want. But the bottom line is when Carolina won in overtime twice, they won in the first two minutes of overtime. And it took the Preds grinding it out, chance after chance, sorrow standing on his head to eventually eke out that spot Mm -hmm. where they get the late goal late in the the double. And that's not a knock on the Preds. They're not as good as Carolina. That's how they had to win the two games they won in this series. But I think that perfectly encapsulates where these two teams are right now. Carolina's clearly better in the ability to turn it on from a speed standpoint, puck possession standpoint, and win that way. It was the difference in the series, but it was a great series. And the Preds acquitted themselves well in this series. Hurricanes also doing what they're known for on social media, trolling the Preds after the, the victory in the series. And I, I, I laugh at it. Like I, I, I'm here for it with the organizations going back and forth like this. Uh, Reed's going to chime in in a moment on something that you mentioned prior to the break. Uh, as we wrap things up, did the Preds block the Hurricanes on Twitter or not, Chad? We've retweeted this. Carolina Hurricanes had a great troll tweet earlier where they had the banners being raised at Bridgestone Arena, and on the <laughs> banners, one of them said, Taylor, it said, congrats, Nashville, another great season. And one of the banners says, Taylor Lewan crushed a beer, second loudest crowd in NHL, and then the last one was Creed played an intermission <laughs> show uh, for the accomplishments in the series. So then they later put out, we have friends in low places with a screenshot of the Nashville Predators blocking them on Twitter after that tweet. Now, Reed, do you think this was real or is this fabricated in some way by Carolina? Well, the Predators have commented on the the tweet now and says this is a really bad Photoshop job. So I'm assuming this was Carolina being Carolina. And some of the – look – Here's what's really going to piss me off is when Tampa <laughs> sweeps this team because yeah. Nashville took them to the limit yeah. every single time on the ice after game two. That's really, really going to get to me. Uh, also, did did anyone sit in front of you with a cowboy hat last night? Uh, I looked up I looked up in your area <laughs> trying to find uh, uh, to, to, to see a white cowboy hat. I did not see one. No, there were no cowboy hats in my entire section this night, but there were a lot out there um, – on the plaza last night and a bunch that were just around the arena, but not in my section. Okay. That's uh, that's the first time in a long time I've ever left an arena so mad at what happened. Matt yeah. Benning can go kick rocks, and I never want to see him again. The Predators had that game in hand. They did. And he had the stupidest penalty of the entire series. The entire trip down, he was holding this guy's stick. He dumps him on the in the blue ice and just decides, well, I'm just going to sit on this guy and, and not let him up and I guess hope the officials don't see it. And then they're on a power play and that changes the, well, the and, whole. And we're also disappointed, as good as Trennan was two nights ago, he was terrible last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, one, one mistake. One mistake that really ended up costing them. But it's, you know, and I'm, I'm ready to know what the, what the approach is going to be like in the expansion draft. July 21st can't get here. Uh, soon enough because we're going to know what this Predators team thinks it needs to be going forward. Does it need to look like what John Hines constructed towards the back half of this season, or is it going to look like we saw in the first half of the season? That that There's a lot to be learned in the next six weeks about this team and this organization, this franchise moving forward. 
Shout out to uh, Jake Popoff, Regan McCrossin, for making it happen for us, production assistant-wise. Regan, do you even know who Creed is? I do not. Wow, she does not. I love the honesty. She does not. I love the honesty. She does. This whole show has been a blur. She's Quick like, response. They're discussing she's Creed. She's going to go to Amazon Music when she leaves here and find the best of Creed. <laughs> look at Jake. And then she's going to hear some of these songs and, and, and say to herself Don't all look weekend, them up. Damn these guys that I, I work with because now I can't get these songs out of my head. So, and I sent this to you guys last night. What have we heard since this pandemic <laughs> began? Every artist, into every A-list country artist, musical artist in town is saying, I can't wait to get in front of a live crowd. I can't wait to get back in front of a live crowd. And here's a chance to get in front of a live crowd. And all we can do is Scott Stapp. Like, that's the best that Nashville could do. You deserve to lose the game based on that alone. Oh. I think after the blowback that the Preds got because they dared to invite Dave Portnoy of Barstool to a game, and people were that. outraged by it, they should have doubled down and invited Morgan Wallen to do the, to the intermission shows. <laughs> wow. My might as well just dive head first into all the controversy. Like Instead of running from it and apologizing, like, you know what? Yeah, we invited Dave Portnoy and Johnny Manziel, and guess what we're going to do now? Morgan Wallen to perform both intermissions in his resurrection of his career. Uh, Becca Risley, appreciate the hard work. She's probably cussing us right now because we're five past the hour going into a holiday weekend, a long weekend. And happy Memorial Day, Becca. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, but we, we did that not because we dislike Becca, but because this is punishment for Sleepy Danny sleeping on the job. Yeah. He has to work an extra five minutes today. Uh, Lance Lee back with us uh, next week, as is PK. We are back on Tuesday live. Uh, we will have some programming on Monday as well. Yeah. Happy Memorial Day. Special Memorial Day programming. That's right. Guys, enjoy the weekend. Bang, bang. We are back at it on Tuesday right here on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.